Welcome to Cardinal Conversations, a career podcast from the Catholic University of America. My name is Brett LaPrad. I'm the Director for Career Development and Professional Networking in the Office of Alumni Engagement. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Ryan Cheatham. Hey there. Hey, Ryan. How's, How's it going? It's, it's going today. Good. You know, we're in the throes of things, and it's a busy event season, and all the things are happening. And one big thing is about to happen, and I know you're doing a lot to get students prepped for it, the career fair. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So um, the you guys bring in like 70 plus employers from around the DMV and even the country. I met some uh, organization there from Texas last year. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah. So kudos to you for all that hard work you're going to do and you are doing and it's going to be great again. But I'm wondering, do you have any tips for folks who are going to like career fairs or networking? Like what do you typically tell students who are going to this? Yeah. So I guess the, the biggest piece of advice I would have to say is to do your research before going so that way you kind of have a a strategy in place taking a look at all the different organizations that are coming and then don't discount an organization just by its name take the time to really look at the job opportunities that they're offering oftentimes you know you'll see organization and you'll think oh that that doesn't have anything to do with my industry or my major that I'm interested in Mm -hmm. but if you take the time to really look at the different positions they may have some that are available in the areas that you're interested in. Um, So take the time to do your research. And then for networking and navigating the career fair itself, I would recommend starting with a company that you don't really need to network with per se to get the jitters out. So I would say walking around and, and, you know, seeing maybe an employer that's not on your list, but you're just, you think is interesting. That's a good way for you to kind of practice getting your elevator pitch out there, getting the kinks out, any nervous laughs or anything like that. And then make your way up from there. And and by that, I mean, wait to meet with the organization that you really want to talk with and network with or, or two or three of those towards like the end. So that way you're pretty warmed up can have a a full conversation with them and and that you can really get the things out of it that you're hoping to get. So start with the organization that you're just interested in, finish strong with the organization that you really want. Hmm. It sounds like you have put a few of these together. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of know how they work. Yeah, you know. Yeah, (laughs) that's great advice. That's really helpful. Thanks. Uh, So I hope students listening, you take that to heart and an alumni listening. There's career fairs, of course, here on campus, but there's career fairs across DC all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Every organization is hiring, trade associations, yeah. your industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can find those on like Eventbrite and Eventbrite. Career Eco. Yep. You got it. Yeah. Exactly. Across so many industries. And then check some of the the, uh, the the government agencies and things like that. Brett says oftentimes organizations are are hosting career fairs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so career fair is coming, but we want to talk to an alum and maybe we'll ask them about their experience navigating finding a job at a career fair. That sounds good. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome to our conversation with the Cardinal. This is the main segment for Cardinal Conversations, and we're talking with another distinguished alum from Catholic University today. We have with us Bryson Fonville, a graduate of the class of 2016 from the Business School with his BSBA. 
Bryson's had a, an interesting career since he graduated from Catholic University, played a little professional basketball, which is incredible just for a Division three athlete in general, but especially for somebody from Catholic that we don't have a lot of those come out. So I'm excited to hear more about that. Bryson's also been working for BE Furniture and is now their VP of sales. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about sales leadership and what that looks like for him. But before we do any of that, Ryan, where do you think we should start with Bryson? Well, Bryson, it's an honor to have you on today. We're excited to talk to you and to really dig into your journey. What have you been up to since Catholic U? I mean, I know that Brett's gone through, you know, the gamut of the things, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, the meat of it all. What's been going on? Yeah, for sure. First, I want to say thank you guys for giving me the opportunity and having me. Since, you know, graduating from Catholic, I went straight into professional hoops. I was very fortunate to be able to continue my career after college, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I got to travel. I got to obviously play basketball, which I love, and I got to meet a lot of interesting and really cool people that really helped me grow, you know, as an individual. Um, so that was amazing. Following, you know, my professional sports career, I came to work, you know, for my family business, um, where we help renovate and refresh uh, commercial interior spaces. We do that through design, construction, and then all the way through finished goods like furniture and things such as that. So, when you think about, you know, what it takes to make an interior space attractive, functional, inviting, um, that's kind of the gist of what we do. That's cool. That's cool. It sounds like a lot of work, but it also sounds like it allows you to be creative and innovative, really tap into to that vein. And it sounds like while it's a lot, it's fun at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely, you know, gives you the space to, like you said, be creative. We get a lot of fun requests, weird, challenging of what people, you know, are envisioning for their space. And our job is to kind of you know, either pare that down, expand on it to really create something special. Every space, you know, is unique. The world is changing how people want to function within a space or what they want out of it mm -hmm. to really change. So it, it's a lot of fun, but it can be challenging as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It, and I know that having talked to a lot of former student athletes uh, and folks who are just, you know, more athletically inclined and who maybe even view that as a hobby, there's kind of a built-in character trait of always facing adversity because that's in a in a nutshell what sports are about is overcoming adversity to try to in a, beat an opponent. So for you, you went and played professionally, which is a level that almost no one else does. Did you gain any particular traits or skills or did you take any lessons away from that experience that you think are unique and have helped you get to where you are now or that you apply in your current role? Yeah, absolutely. I, I am a big, you know, proponent of saying, you know, sports teaches us a lot. You know, you learn a lot through life experiences as well. But from, you know, playing professional, adversity is definitely something you deal with a lot. You know, you hear always hear the saying, you kind of have to have a short-term memory, you know, with your failures. You got to take it, keep moving, because the next play is going to happen. But you also learn how to grow and teach yourself things from your successes as well. So, you know, adversity is something you experience everywhere and how you learn, you know, to overcome it, kind of deal with it and navigate it, you know, can really help help you mature and grow as a person and individual. I just like that that phrase, you know, 
short-term memory with your failures. I think that oftentimes, you know, it's good to reflect and it's good to look back and see what you can extract from different experiences. Yeah. We often talk about as a society how, you know, your, your failures mean that you're trying to get somewhere because mm. if you weren't failing, then you weren't trying, yeah. you know? Mm. But I, I like how we shouldn't ruminate on that, right? Once we figure out what it is, we can we can let it go and we can keep moving and we can learn from that. And so I, I like how there's a separation from bad experience and extracting what was learned and moving forward in that the short-term memory piece. So that's that's cool. I like that. I might start using that phrase. That's yeah, all I was going to say. No, it's so good. Yeah. No, it was it was a tough lesson for me at first, right? I've, I've always been the shortest guy, so I've always been the point guard and had the ball in my hands a lot. Mm. Um, a lot of times that can lead to like a lot of turnovers, mm-hmm. mistakes, you know, and if you if you harp on it, it just compounds, right? So mm-hmm. I had to learn, you know, when you make that mistake, every, the other nine guys on the court are still playing. They're not going to stop for you. So uh, yeah, you, you have to learn how to bounce back, you know, and keep moving. And then, like you said, when you can reflect on it and learn from it, you absolutely do that as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask, what's one or two of your favorite memories from playing in the G League? Did you get to meet anybody? quote unquote famous or did you get to meet any of your basketball idols things stand out that's special to you yeah so I I played for the Texas Legends which are part of the Dallas Mavericks so popular names you know everybody knows that's associated with the Dallas Mavericks as Mark Cuban um so got to meet him a couple times which obviously he's a he's a ridiculous brain as far as business and how to navigate it you know and how to grow your personal brand business brand so it's amazing just to get to talk to him and meet him in the basketball kind of sense of it, I was lucky to uh, play with a lot of veteran players. Um, so I don't know if you guys recognize all these names, but some people that I played with and met were like Ben Gordon, mm. who played four years at UConn, won mm-hmm. championships, played in the NBA as well. Juwan Blair, who had a, a really good career with the Spurs in the NBA. And then some more recent names would be like Quincy AC, Manny Harris, Pierre Jackson. So I got to play with a lot of guys who were much older, had already spent some time in the NBA and had that professional experience, which was one level above, you know, where I was. And it was, again, just to pick their brains, see how they carry themselves on and off the court. It it was a tremendous growing experience for me. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows Ben Gordon. Can't forget the yeah. UConn teams. Another one, uh, another person I met that I think everyone will recognize is Bud Webb. He was actually oh, the- he was the GM of my team I played with in the G League, the Texas Legends. So he would like randomly pop into practice and just watch the last hour of practice. You know, he would go on team meals with us at times, um, which was really cool. Obviously, inspiration for me being another little guy. He's won a dunk contest. He had an amazing career, you know, so to meet him, shake his hand as well was, was a great experience. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Ryan's over here <laughs> laughing at me because I'm like nodding my head all the names. Like, so excited. She can tell there's like 15 other questions I want to ask you about those people. Right. But we'll, sa- we'll save and that you for can, another time. You can call me anytime and we, we can do that. No, I, uh, it, it, was, it was a really cool experience. I always yeah. say like, you know, getting paid to travel and play basketball, I couldn't complain, but I, I forget about all the people, you know, I got to meet and got to interact with. You know, and I don't want to take that for granted because it is really cool. Yeah. 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 And 
So now, you know, you're working BE Furniture, the family-owned business, and met your wife here at Catholic, which is super beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, what's it like now, you know, taking what you've learned and, and, and pushing forward and taking initiative? And what is it like to work for a company that's operated, you know, by the family? And what advice would you give to others who are in similar situations where they're working, you know, hand in hand with their family during the day and playing games and eating dinner at night you know (laughs) yeah I was I was actually gonna leave with that right it definitely has its challenges but we do still usually have a dinner or two together every weekend so we're doing all right yeah that's good that's good (laughs) Thanksgiving's not awkward yeah exactly exactly we we can still get together which is awesome (laughs) but it's it's a lot of fun it's awesome obviously working for your family Get you, you know, some perks and things that you may not get elsewhere. You know, we're fortunate we have a nursery in our office on site. Mm. So the first two years of my daughter's life, she was here with me. I got to see her every day while I was at work, which is awesome. You know, you can't get that everywhere. I also feel, you know, we're a smaller company. There's about 18 of us. So knowing your boss by name, you know, or knowing you can walk into your boss's office, you know, straight through the door and have a conversation or bring up a topic. I I think that just creates a space for everyone to kind of step into a leadership role. Mm -hmm. You know, even, even the people that work for us that aren't family, they're, they're empowered, you know, and that's our mission that they feel that way. So if they see something we don't see, you know, they can have an open conversation about it. So I think having family within the office creates that type of environment where everyone, even if they're not family, you know, is confident enough to step into their role. Mm -hmm. That's good. And a follow-up question to that, what is your definition then of, of leadership? What does that quality look like then? For me, leadership, obviously, it can show itself in a lot of different forms. Mm-hmm. For me, I think, you know, key things are being confident enough to lead and so give direction, give input, but also being confident and comfortable enough to receive feedback and take that use it, learn from it to better your team. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, the leader is still part of the full team Mm -hmm. and they have a role. So if if you're leading and you're not open to anyone else, you know, or open to any comments, you're doing yourself a disservice. So I think leadership, you know, obviously it's multi-tiered, but a big part of it is being, you know, vulnerable enough, comfortable enough to be able to listen to your team, take that feedback, and then use that to propel everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. It actually it makes me think back to I, I can't remember where I learned this, but um, when you know birds flying south that fly together in yeah. flock, and um, you know there's always the one that takes the lead, but then they switch off, you know, and the one that was taking the lead goes to yeah. the back position, and someone else or another bird comes in and flies in that place. And I think that's a great example of leadership and and what you were speaking about being able to to be the one that's kind of breaking the wind barriers there and pushing the organization forward, but at the same time knowing that everyone has the potential to keep the engine running and moving forward. So their ideas and the feedback, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I played basketball my whole life. I've always been part of a team. One thing I kind of I always say it's kind of weird, but I pride myself on is that throughout my basketball career, I feel like I've been every single person on the team. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is kind of, I've been 
you know, the best player where the coach just gives you the ball and says, you know, have at it. Mm -hmm. I've been the guy that just has a role. You know, he has a very specific role on the team and he gets his 15 minutes of the game and then that's all he gets. And I've also been the guy that plays the last two minutes of the game, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I really think I do understand, you know, no matter where you are in that team hierarchy, mm -hmm. everyone contributes and has a role. Mm -hmm. You know, it looks different for everyone. But if one person kind of creates a gap and doesn't do their part, you know, everyone kind of feels that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I want to dig in a little more maybe on some sales stuff since that's a lion's share of the work that you're doing. Sales at Catholic University has grown even since you were a student here yeah. as recently as that was. And it is in a lot of ways taking over the undergraduate population. Definitely. It's a becoming a massive program. So I know there's students that are would be interested to hear your perspective on this and alum as well. What are some of the most challenging things you see in your position when it comes to sales? It's, I mean, you're doing commercial work instead of consumer, you know, residential stuff. So I imagine there's some interesting things there. But just generally, what what does the market look like? What are some of the sales strategies that you use? Are there any resources you recommend? It's a pretty open-ended question because I just want to hear your reflections as somebody who's a professional in that world talk about what it's like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different tactics depending on the marketing industry. I think something that's really important is learning, right? When we get comfortable, you know, we get in our careers, sometimes we forget to continue learning. Um, and you have to always be in tune with your industry, your market, and learn about it. The world is constantly changing. Um, one big thing I've kind of focused on recently is that people value different things now than they did. Um, and a lot of that can be associated with the pandemic, but life in general, time periods, just what people value changes, you know? So I think you you have to understand that and know that in order to really dive into your market and sell whatever it is you're trying to you're trying to sell. If you don't understand, you know, what part of it adds value or what your customer is really looking to achieve through it, you're gonna miss the mark. You know, to our point, we we sell interior spaces, right? So a lot of people hear that and they think furniture, which we do a lot more, but furniture Furniture is a means to solving their problem. You know, maybe their problem is employee retention. Maybe their problem is trying to get together a return to work plan. You know, people, we, we've been hearing that a lot. People are like, I, I'm in this between space of trying to get people to come back, but I don't want them to be upset that they have to come back. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, a big thing, you know, we're trying to guide our customers to doing is with still keeping your office space you know, professional and to a level that you feel it communicates what you want, how do you kind of make it mimic what they, how they've been working at home? Mm -hmm. You know, at home, people can get up and move around when they want. If they need to step away to take a call, they can do that. If they want to eat their lunch outside in their backyard, they can do that. So how can your office mimic that and give people choices so that even though they're at work, they still feel comfortable enough that they can be productive and also feel safe, you know, feel like they have options of where they can work, when they can eat lunch, things like that, mm -hmm. um, so that they're excited about coming back. So I think you just have to, you have to learn. A lot of that is reading. A lot of that is listening to conversations and people to understand what people really value today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting industry to be in, given that return to work yeah. we're experiencing right now. 
I mean, I even think about coming back to work after the pandemic kind of subsided here at the university and yeah. missing wearing shorts every day to work. That's, <laughs> yeah. You probably can't replicate that, but you know, if you can replicate, no, no, the, that would the be a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> if you can replicate the comfort of, you know, I'm sitting on my couch working for an hour or two and then I get up into my, like a desk and I can stand up and those kinds of things. So that's interesting. I, I, I like that perspective. There's a, there's a, you talked about reading and listening, but then there's also, it seems like this practical kind of like lived experience for understanding what people's problems are, what companies' problems are, and the solutions that you offer to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you were looking to hire an intern, you know, maybe Do you know someone looking? No, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But like, but if they were, like, uh, what are some of the qualities that you would be looking for? And, and I'm saying this for all of our, our students out there, you know, that are listening in. If there was one that just happened to catch this podcast, what, what is something that you would say you're looking for in, in, a, in a sales intern? And what would you be hoping that they get out of the experience to help them with their career? Yeah, so I would I would definitely, you know, be looking for someone that that kind of has a plan, you know, of what they want to do, where they want to go, whether that's specific to my industry or somewhere else. I think, you know, at in an internship, you can learn a lot that you can apply in other places. So someone that's driven, you know, kind of has an idea of where they want to go. I think that is definitely a big thing I would look for. I also, you know, I would look for someone that kind of understands community and what I mean by that you know is involved with a team or maybe a club or maybe an intramural sport or something Mm -hmm. where they're around other people they're interacting they're kind of socializing because they're going to understand they're going to understand how to have that human human interaction Mm -hmm. which and I think goes back to what people value these days right people value human interaction having a natural uh comfortable conversation you know, so someone that can understand that and build off that, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we can help them kind of hone in on that skill and they, you know, they can take that anywhere to help them be successful. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a huge one. And then the last thing, you know, I'm always looking for kind of a creative thinker, someone that's going to kind of push boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, challenge things so that they can get more understanding, you know, not challenge things, just a challenge, but to challenge with the intent to understand more so that they can grow. You know, it kind of goes back to that learning piece. If if you're not constantly, you know, wanting to learn more, wanting to challenge things so that you can understand better, your absence of that is you're kind of going backwards. So mm-hmm. I would say those are probably the key things I would look in a person, mm-hmm. look for mm-hmm. in an intern, mm-hmm. which if, you know, you kind of reflect on those things, a lot of those things aren't necessarily on paper. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think it, it has, this sounds kind of corny, but it has to be a real person. You know, I, I want a real person. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound corny at all. And yeah. I guess, and then the other, the flip side of that is, you know, you did come from a, one industry and transition into another industry. And so with that being said, for maybe the alum that's listening, that's thinking about transitioning or, or maybe you know one industry has always been a passion of theirs but they're finally able to to go into that now and and to do it what advice would you give to that person that's in transition yeah I would I would start by kind of you know reflecting on yourself and what your what your skills are mm-hmm. um, and then figure out how that aligns with your passion or your new field that you're going into mm-hmm. 
you know, looking at my career in basketball, I, I learned to have a tremendous work ethic and motor. You know, I learned that someone's not always looking. You have to have your own standards and carry yourself, you know, at a certain level to be successful. I learned how to operate in a team environment, you know, and use the team to propel yourself, to learn, to push the team goal forward. So I would really hone in on the skills you already have that you know you're really good at and figure out how those translate. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, the flip side is figuring out the things that you need to focus on to grow in. Yeah. Because when you when you pair those things together, you know, you set yourself up for a path for success. And then, you know, to that point, you have a clear path at that point and you kind of set objectives and know where you need to be and where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Bryson. Yeah. Well, Ryan, Bryson, this is our Blast from the Past segment. So we have gone into the depths of the digital archives for the university and we've swam around and we have found many, many, many articles about Bryson because Bryson, of course, was on the basketball team here and he was here when the team was good and he was one of the star players here. So his name shows up all over the tower. If folks are interested, you can go search his name and read about all of his accolades and things. Cool. So it was hard to figure out which direction to take and which piece of historical data we would want to talk about with Bryson, but I think this one's good. It's a fun one. Yeah. Everybody loves a good buzzer beater. Mm -hmm. And so this is a story recapping a game in which Bryson had a buzzer beater to secure a win for Catholic University. So I'm going to read bits and pieces of this article. If folks want to follow along, you can click on the link to the article in the show description. So the article is entitled Men's Basketball Wins on Last Second Shot. While most of Catholic University's student body was away for Thanksgiving break, the men's basketball team won a thrilling contest on a game-winning shot from senior guard Bryson Fonville, 0.8 seconds left against Wesley College. On Sunday, November 29th, the All-American knocked down a jump shot with under a second left in the game to win 94-92. In a back-and-forth contest that featured double-digit leads for both teams, Catholic came out on top thanks to three different players who contributed at least 20 points. Catholic, ranked number 22 in Division III men's basketball, moved to 3-2 and two on the season. The loss dropped to Wesley's record to 1-3 and three on the year. The lead for the Cardinals was 15 with 13 minutes remaining, 64-49. to 49. Wesley answered with a run of their own to make the contest very interesting as the time in the game dwindled. Catholic held on to a 92-86 lead with just under two minutes to play, but Wesley scored six points to tie the game with 14 seconds. The Cardinals had possession of the ball, and the team trusted their leader, Fonville. The guard broke a press from the Wolverines and pulled up for a jumper before the painted area. The shot fell, and the Cardinals took a 94-92 lead with 0.8 seconds left on the clock. Time expired, and the home team was victorious. So that's a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it was over Thanksgiving break, so maybe not a lot of students around to see it, unfortunately, but it had to just be an incredible experience for you. So where does this rank, Bryson, in your collegiate career memories for being a basketball player? Is this top five, top ten? What are your reflections on this moment? I would definitely say it's up there in like top 10. Re reading back through this article is definitely awesome for me. I remember this game so vividly. I think, you know, two things I kind of pulled out of it was I was I was really fortunate to play on really good teams with really good players. So I don't know if it's because I just had the ball first or if it's because my team trusted me, um, you know, to have it. But it was, you know, our teams were amazing. We could share the ball. You didn't know who was gonna who was gonna have the big night. And this was kind of an example of it, right? We had we had three people in double figures that had big games, which made made basketball a lot of fun for all of us. The second thing 
I kind of pulled out of this was was off the first sentence and you just mentioned it it was over a break so like no one was there <laughs> literally no one um so it even though it was a buzzer beater it was still pretty calm in the gym <laughs> but that time was always interesting for us right because no one was there so like our support system our energy all came from us you know it made us a lot closer during those times we learned a lot about each other mm-hmm. and we got to really push each other in jail together which which was always awesome which I think was a big part of why you know the teams I played on might have been so good because we had that kind of camaraderie that almost a family environment again you know within basketball so it was it was always a lot of fun yeah 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 that's cool and so my question for you and follow-up to this I feel like even though there was like nobody there, I feel like our, our buzzer beater moments in life, nobody is there, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it, but I mean, what I mean by that is when we have those moments that like, you know, it's down to the last second and we have this decision that's literally going to change the course of our trajectory, whether it's a career or the moment we decide this is, you know, whatever, it's a, it's a, it's a big decision that has to be made, right? I mean, yeah. we're at that crossroad and, and the time is ticking to make it. Oftentimes it's just us and our thoughts and, and, and what we believe and, and, and our faith and, and we go from there, right? So I guess my question to you is what advice do you have to give that person who it's a buzzer beater moment and it's just them at that crossroad with, with what they believe and what they have and, you know, and are they taking that shot you know what to do with that emotion there what advice would you give that person yeah I think uh you definitely hit it on the head a lot of times in those moments it is just you right making that decision um I think for me a big thing is figuring out you know what that calming kind of piece is what grounds you um and use that to help you make a sound decision a lot of times you know we tend to the clock is ticking, you know, and you just hear the clock ticking and you're like, oh, I got to do something, got to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, but depending on what that time span is, you know, there's there's some seconds in there. There may be some minutes um, or days, mm-hmm. you know, where you can calm yourself down, reflect, kind of move yourself outside of the situation mm-hmm. to be able to make a decision of if you're going to go left or right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once you once you decide, mm-hmm. be confident, go with it, you know have confidence in the thought you put into it in the time you took and and commit to it you know making that decision and then half committing or half doing it again you're not you're not so much helping yourself Mm -hmm. but if you get in that moment you make that decision and then you go at it full speed confident in what you decided you you definitely have a better chance of success yeah that's good that's really good thanks thanks for that yeah yeah well you had a a great college career. You're an All-American summarized in this article and you had a nice shot, nice moment in Catholic University team history. And now you're doing great things in another career. And I think that's the story of what we want to see Catholic University student athletes do is apply those skills and lessons they learned while they were studying and performing here and being productive alumni and citizens. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Bryson, thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your insights and reflecting with us. We wish you all the best going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time.
No, thank you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity and you you two are great and a pleasure to chat with. So thanks again. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Cardinal Conversations. Yeah, always a pleasure to do this with you, Ryan. And we are grateful to our guests, as well as to the Center for Academic and Career Success and the Office of Alumni Engagement for allowing us to partner together to hear and learn from our alumni career stories. Yeah, you can find links to resources for the blast from the past and other interesting things in the show description in your podcast app. If you'd like to support the students, research, and mission of the Catholic University of America, you can also click on the giving link in the show description as well. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Until next time.